there named uh, Brother Wardell Barnhart. And Brother, Brother Wardell passed away, I guess, about a year or two ago. But I will never forget Brother Wardell. Uh, and one of the things I'll never forget about him is that he loved to sing. We're part of the family. You know, in a smaller congregation, when you have a singing night, every, if you are a male, you get to lead a song. Uh, and that's just the way it was. And he would always lead. We are a part of a family. And sometimes we'd laugh together, and sometimes we cry together. And I'm just going to tell you, I can't hardly sing that song without getting a little bit teary-eyed, because uh, there are so many emotions that go with it. Let me tell you, when I think about that song, that's one of the things that I really love, always have, and still do about the Savannah Church of Christ. Uh, this is a place where if you want it to be, this can be your life. Your life can center around the body of Christ. It can center around serving Jesus. It can center around spending time with your brethren and rejoicing together and crying together. This is a family. And I love that about it. And I hope that you're taking advantage of that. So many things are going on, have been going on. Uh, our mentor program got off to a big, a big uh, kickstart this last Wednesday night. I love seeing uh, the pictures of that. Yesterday, activity was just everywhere. Uh, a lot of our young ladies went down to Florence for a girls' day. Uh, the Dorans had so many people out for the dude day at the Dorans. If you weren't there, then you missed me wearing a 10-gallon hat and actually riding a bull. If you weren't there, you missed that. Uh, if you were there, you probably missed it too. Our young men, they, they, had, they had something going on last night. Today, um, don't forget, I know this is, it might be a small thing in your bulletin, but she would appreciate it. They're having an 80th birthday party for Miss Ruby Massengill. And I love, Ms. is Miss Ruby here this morning? Ms. I, I, I love Miss Ruby. She is one of the sweetest ladies that you'll find in this whole congregation. Take, take a moment to, to go by and, 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 and visit with Miss Ruby. Maybe after you go to the nursing home singing this afternoon. Tonight, our small groups start. Um, uh, Mansell and Jimmy's group is going to meet at the Shadell's house tonight. I was supposed to announce that. I want to be sure to remember that. Uh, but if you're not in a group, find a group. Find a group. I'm, I'm encouraged by this. I've seen so many people that have signed up. Uh, more people than we typically just have here on Sunday night uh, are committed to being somewhere tonight. So I'm excited about that. There'll be a service here at 6 uh, if you want to be a part of that. But a lot of great things going on. Uh, Ricky Wilkerson was baptized this last Friday. And Ricky, raise your hand, Ricky, so people can see you back there. And we're excited uh, about, about Ricky and about the commitment he's, he's, he's made to Christ. So many things that are going on. Um, I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget, and then I forgot my piece of paper. I don't even know what I did with it. Okay? Um, but, I, but I will say that on the 29th, that's, I think it's two Wednesday nights from this Wednesday night, uh, they're going to be having a light the night, uh, Halloween sort of activities here at the building. And Dustin is needing people to bring candy. He's needing people that can do games for him. Uh, and he can tell you a whole lot more details about that than I can. Um, but be sure to be here for that. Two weeks from today, uh, I know one of the people that you've been praying a lot about uh, has been Natalie Morris and her diagnosis of cancer. If you haven't seen that, I want to be sure to pray for them. Um, but they're actually going to be here uh, in two weeks. Chuck is going to be preaching on Sunday morning. So uh, all, all you ladies, all you old, you know, just, just take a moment. You know, we'll be excited about the fact that, that Chuck's going to be here. And I know that's something that you can look forward to. All that being said, 
we... I forgot one thing. It's one of those cry together things. Miss Joy Kittle. Uh, I know it's been in our prayers for a lot. Miss Joy Kittle is coming towards the end of her life. And Barton has asked for some help. And if you would be willing to go over and sit with them for a few hours, there is a sign-up sheet in the back um, over the next two days. If you could do that, please sign up for that this morning. Uh, some of you have already taken all the difficult spots, all the overnight spots, which is awesome. And I find that incredibly humbling that you've done that. Uh, but if you could help out that family, uh, because they're part of this family, I know that would mean a lot to them. To our lesson this morning in John chapter 12. Uh, all year, we've been walking with Christ. And we've looked at the birth of Christ, the great announcements of Christ. We've seen miracles performed. We've seen dead people raised. We've seen blind people given sight. We, we've heard the parables of Jesus. We've heard uh, the amazing Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we've heard people challenge people. We've heard Jesus push people. We've, we've seen Jesus going off to spend time by Himself. But everything, everything that we have heard about the life of this man Jesus from this town of Nazareth has been building to what we're going to start talking about this morning. And we're going to spend the rest of this year talking about the last week of Jesus' life. Sometimes we, we talk about this week as, as the Passion Week because it is the week where we really begin to see what it's all about. Why did Jesus come? Friends, Jesus did not come into this world simply to heal people. He healed people, but He didn't come into this world to heal people. He didn't come into this world simply to, to wipe out world hunger, even though He wiped out a lot of hunger. That's not why He came. Jesus did not come into this world uh, simply to tell nice little stories and, and, and to have the crowds talk about how... He did all that, but that's not why He came. We're going to begin to see this morning why Jesus came. Jesus came to save you and to save me. He came to seek and to save the lost. And it's been a roller coaster, hasn't it? The ministry of Jesus, as it begins with John the Baptizer calling him out and saying, There he is. Behold, there is the Lamb of God. There is the one that I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. To crowds of thousands of people. That would, that would follow Him around waiting to see what He's going to do. What is He going to say? You know, what's going to happen with, with, with this man Jesus? 5,000, 4,000, maybe as many as 10,000 people would follow Jesus from place to place. And then we see people pulling back. We see people pulling back when Jesus, when Jesus began to tell them, listen, this is not just about you getting a free meal. It's not about that. It's about something so much more than that. And people began to fall away. People began to go back to their homes. People began to say, I, I, I don't know if I'm really interested in that. But as Jesus makes His way to Jerusalem, He's going there to observe the Passover. And the excitement and the energy is starting to build up again because you remember what's just happened. Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead. Can you picture, can you picture what the scene would be like if there was someone who had just raised someone from the dead, and I don't care what you thought about this person, I don't care if, if you had followed them around for all of your life or, or you were following them around for the first time today, you just heard that they raised someone from the dead. 
Not someone who looked like they were dead. Not someone who, who had, maybe they had passed away two or three minutes ago. We're talking about someone that everybody knew they'd been dead and in the grave to the point that they smelled bad for days. Jesus brought him back. And people began to, began to become convicted. You know what? This guy really is the Christ. This guy really is the Messiah. He really is the Savior. And he's going to Jerusalem. He's going to come together where all of the faithful Jewish people have gone, to their capital city, to their great city of Jerusalem. And the people are excited. Thousands of people from all over the, from all over the world have come and converged upon that city. And, and we read there in John chapter 12, in John chapter 12 and verse 12, that the great multitude who had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, the Bible says they took the branches of the palm trees and they went out to meet Him. They took the branches of the trees and, and, and other, other texts show us that, that they took their coats and their cloaks and they took them and, and, they, spread, and, and they spread them out. Why? Because there is a King that is coming. The King is coming. Can you picture that? Sometimes we, we don't do this very much in, in our society, but maybe the closest we come is, is, is at a wedding or something like that where you'll have the little flower girl and she's, she's tossing the petals out on, out, on the, out on the ground for the bride to walk on, right? Why do we do that? I don't know why we do that, but I think it has something to do with giving honor or this is someone important. But, but, but can you imagine? David, can you imagine if when you came in and you were going to step and I said, whoa, 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 you're not going to put your foot on the ground. You, you're going to walk on my coat. And I've seen that in lots of cartoons for ladies over puddles. I've never seen anybody do that. And I knocked my mic off. And, and, but, but that's what they were doing. Because it's the King who is coming. The King is coming into Jerusalem. They've been waiting for this. Their mama and their daddy have been waiting for this. Their grandma and their grandpa and their great-grandma and their great-grandpa. And as far back of all the generations that, that they can ever imagine, they've been waiting for this moment when the Messiah was going to come. And they took those branches and they took their coats and they put them out there on, on, on the road. And Jesus came riding on that donkey. And they began to cry out, Hosanna! Hosanna! Have you ever been in a crowd that was just hollering out? And they were so excited. They were so excited about what was going on, maybe at a ball game or, or something like that, and everybody is into it. Hosanna! And it, it's, it's a shout of joy, right? It's a shout of acclaim. This is the one. Hosanna! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. We know why you're here. We know that you're here because we know that God has sent you here. We know. We know that you are the King of Israel. We have been an oppressed people. Right? The nation of Israel has lived in occupation from the time of, from the, time of the Assyrians to the Babylonians to the Romans. 
Over and over, you remember what happens, especially in the Pauline journeys, when, 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 when Paul would go into a city and they would start to get all riled up and they would say, you've you got to quit it. You've got to calm down. Why? Because if you don't calm down, the Romans are going to come in here and they're going to crush us, right? And they, they're kind of allowing us to do our thing unless things get out of hand. And then they're going to let us know that they're really the ones in control. They've been an oppressed people, an occupied people all of their life, as much as they can remember in their generations. The king of Israel, the king of Israel, a king like we haven't had since, since Saul and David and Solomon. I mean, we, we've had kings since then, but, but our kingdom has been, has been a shelter. It's been a, it's been a fraction. It's been a nothing compared to what it was before. And He is coming. We realize that You are coming to save us. You are coming to deliver us and to set upon that throne again. And they cried out, Hosanna! Hosanna! Save us! Save us! From the Psalms in Psalm 1, in Psalm 100 in verse 18, one of the Psalms and one of the things that, that, that you read about the Psalms is that a lot of them had a lot of different traditional purposes. But, but Psalm 118 is, is a part of, of, what, of what sometimes is called a, a praise psalm. These are psalms that, that people would sing as they were on their way to Jerusalem. Right? And if you were a faithful Jew, you always made an annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem. But you didn't just do nothing on the way. You would sing praise to God. It's an exciting time. It's a great time. We're, we're excited about this. Save us. Save us, we pray, O oh Lord. And I don't know what the tune was, but I know they would say it over and over. Even before Jesus was there. Why? Because they've been looking for Jesus to come for a long time. And so that song that their grandma used to sing to them and their granddaddy and their great-grandpa and all the people, that song that they have sung all the years as they went to Jerusalem, it's about to come true. Hosanna! Save us! It is a plea for deliverance. Save us! But it's a plea for deliverance that, that is used as, as a shout of acclamation. Not, not simply, you are the one. You are the one who is going to save us. You are the one who is going to fix everything. You are the one who is going to make everything what it's supposed to be. And we're so excited and we're telling our children and we're telling our grandchildren and we're going out and we're lining the streets because Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. Can you, can you picture the scene in your mind? There's some things I'd like to see throughout history and I think this is one of them. I'd like to see the people when Jesus came to Jerusalem. He'd been there before. But Jesus was coming to Jerusalem on the heels of raising His friend from the dead. And people had hope. And people had energy. And people were excited. Now here's the, here's the reality. Most of those people who lined the streets, most of those people who lined the streets were probably selling Jesus short. I, I have tried to, to get across some of the excitement or some of the emotion that would, have, that would have been there and why they shouted out these things. But their picture of what, of what the Messiah was going to be, what they thought, what they thought is that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem because He was going to sit on the throne. He was going to restore Israel to its glory days. He was going to make them a great nation in, in, in the ways that they were a great nation during the times of David and Solomon. He was going to heal their sick. 
He was going to bring peace and prosperity. And more than anything else, He was going to get rid of the Romans. That's what Jesus was coming to do. Even Jesus' closest disciples thought that's what He was coming to do. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons that Judas probably turned and disobeyed and rejected Jesus is because when he started to figure this out, that there's, there's not going to be an earthly reward. There's not going to be an earthly position for me to have in this kingdom that we've been preaching about. The truth is, for all of their excitement, for all of their palms and all of their shouts of acclamation, they were probably selling Jesus very short of what He is about to do over the next week there in the city of Jerusalem. Sometimes I ask myself the question as I, as I read about their excitement, would we be satisfied with that sort of deliverance? Would we be satisfied with someone who could make our economy thrive? Would we be excited with someone who could, who could line our bank accounts and make our 401ks and our retirement plans go up? Someone that could make the value of our homes rise and reduce our mortgages? Somebody who could, who could get us national health care that, that wouldn't cost us anything? Would we be happy if someone could, could get rid of the Muslim problem that we have in the world today? Would we be pleased with those things? No. Would we be satisfied with those things? If someone could come and maybe they could fix our marriages, maybe they could give us better relationships, maybe they could put a smile on our face. You see, if someone came in the door and they could give you all of those things, would you be pleased with that? Jesus is much more than that. Jesus is much more than that. And all of those things that He may come into this world and He may do within our lives, we need to understand, we must understand, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to save you and me from our real problem. And our real problem... Our real problem is not just our bank account. It's not just our relationships. It's, it's, not, it's not all the things that we spend so much time thinking our problem is. He came to save us from our real problem. The problem that actually leads to all those other problems. He came to save us from sin. He came to save us from sin. John 3 and verse 16, we, we all know about Jesus and the love that, that God has for us. But read verse 17, where he speaks so plainly, for he says, God did not send the Son into the did not send into the world, excuse me, did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. Saved from what? Saved from air pollution? Saved from poverty? Saved from bad relationships? No! To be saved from our sin. To be saved from the thing that produces death in our life. To be saved from our own sin. At the very heart of the Gospel, friends, as, as wonderful and as powerful as all the things that Jesus Christ can do in our lives, those things are half. They are half-truths when they are presented as the Gospel. 
And the Gospel is about me and my sin and the fact that a Savior came to deliver me from my sin. I must know that. And when I begin to lose sight of that, I don't see the full picture. I don't see the greatness and the grandeur of God. Can I tell you that there are a lot of people there are a lot of people that, 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 have, that have answers to a lot of our problems who have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, I can send you to a financial advisor who can make you wealthy beyond, beyond, your, beyond your imaginations that doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, I can send you to a marriage counselor that can help you and your wife get along that doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that, 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 that I, I, can, I can put you in contact with someone who, who will make you, who will put a smile on your face and allow you to have a, a pep in your step who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ? Those things are not the gospel, not by themselves. Jesus was coming into Jerusalem to sit on a throne, but it was a throne that they, they couldn't even comprehend. It was a throne of glory. It was a throne as the king of a spiritual kingdom. He came into Jerusalem because He was coming there to die. He was coming there to die so that I don't have to. And so that you don't have to. And so that all of your loved ones and your children don't have to. Not in the physical sense, but in the very real spiritual sense. So that we don't have to, to receive the wages of, of, our, of our own sin. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life. How do we do that? It's all about what's about to happen in Jerusalem. He's there to save us. And so when we cry out, Hosanna, save us! May we be very clear what I'm, what I'm crying Save me from my sin. Save me from the things that apart from Jesus Christ, there's nothing I can do about. Come face to face with the fact that I need a Savior. You know, as Jesus comes into that city, things are going to change, and they're going to change very quickly. The crowds are shouting acclamation. The crowds are, the crowds are, are lining the road. But later in the week, and we'll talk more about this as, as we progress, the crowds are going to gather once again. And they're not going to cry out, Hosanna. What are they going to cry? They're going to cry out, Crucify! Crucify! Kill Him! We don't need Him! We don't want Him! The tone and the message of the people change very quickly. Why? Because the people didn't realize what they needed. They needed a Savior. They knew what they wanted. He wasn't there to give that. He was not there to give what they wanted. He was not there to give what they expected. He came into this world. The church exists today. We preach the Gospel today because of what mankind needs more than anything else. And that is salvation. We need a Savior. And when you focus upon Jesus Christ, when you focus upon His body, when you focus upon His blood, may we be reminded constantly and consistently that we have a Savior. We don't just have a good buddy. 
We don't just have someone that teaches us a lot about life and inspires us. We may have all those things. We have a Savior. That's what this is about. That's what His life is about. That's what His death is about. That's what His church is about. It's about saving us. The great Apostle Paul said this, I am what I am by the grace of God. What is he saying? When I look at myself and I stand before you and I talk about a peace that passes understanding and I talk about a blessed assurance that resides within our heart and I talk about a place that has been prepared for us, that's because Jesus died. That's not because of what I did. It's certainly not because of what I deserve. It's because there is a God who loves me and there is a Son who is ready and willing to die on the cross. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. My King, my Lord, my Savior. I ask you this morning, and I try to ask myself this every day, do you need a Savior? Do you need a Savior? i got people that I can help you with, I can put you in contact with to help with your bank account and help with your marriage and help with your relationship. But I've only got one man I know that can help you with sin. See, we live in this world that likes to... We don't like to talk about sin. Sin's real. Friends, sin is why Jesus came. Sin is what put Jesus on the cross. And sin is what will keep people out of heaven. i got to deal with it. Jesus dealt with it. Do you need a Savior? I'm worried that we have people all over our world who are shouting out the name of Jesus. Hosanna! He is the King! Who don't think they need a Savior. We need a Savior. More than anything else. And the good news is, the Gospel news is that we have a Savior. That's why He came. And that's why He comes to Jerusalem. And that's why He comes into your life. The people would mock Him as, they, as He was saying there on the cross in Luke 23. And the Bible says that even the rulers were sneering at Him. They mocked Him. And they said He saved others, let Him save Himself. If this is the Christ of God, His chosen one, and we sing the songs about the myriad of angels that He could have called. He could have called 10,000 angels. But you know what? Jesus didn't save Himself on that day. He didn't save Himself because that's how He would save us. Hosanna, our Savior. Save us. Redeem us. Help us with the things that we have no power to help with. You are our God. You are our King. You will sit on the throne. You are the Chosen One of Israel. But when we hear those words, Hosanna, may we never lose sight of what Jesus is really all about. He is about saving sinful man. He is about saving people, every one of us, who deserve nothing more than damnation and redeeming us so that in spite of what we deserve, 
what they deserve, what they deserve, whoever, we can have an eternal reward because we have a Savior. Save us, Lord. Come to be baptized. Come to have your sins washed away. Don't shout crucify. Don't shout out that you don't need Jesus in your life. Shout out Hosanna. Face your sin and allow Jesus to deal with it. Allow Jesus to forgive and to redeem. Save us because the King is coming. Prepare yourself as we stand and as we sing. Resting there beneath thy glory, oh, let me see thy face. Hide me, hide me, oh, blessed Savior, hide me, oh, Savior, keep me. Save me.